Praise God. Thank God for good praise and worship today. Amen. They've, they've uh, escorted us into the presence of the Lord, and God is moving, and God is blessing, and God is doing some wonderful things today here in this service. Amen. He's touching people's lives. Don't you believe that today? Amen. And it's good to be in church on this Sunday morning, and we appreciate each and every one of you that have come to worship with us today. If you're here visiting for the first time, we do have a welcome packet for you to give to you. And uh, if you will fill out the visitor card and turn it in to Miss Judy out in the front after the service, I think they have a gift of some kind of gift for you, okay? But we're glad that you're here today. And if you this is your first time with us or first time in a while, could just would you just lift your hand? We just want to recognize you right over here. Praise God. Yeah, Brother Terry, if you'll give uh, a packet here. And I'm going to give one to Nikki. I know you've been here before, but we just, we're just we so glad to see you today here. We welcome everyone today. All of you, we're so glad to have you here at Abundant Life Family Church. All right. Um, I'm, I'm going to get into the Word of God this morning, and uh, we have communion. I have a message to share with you. Uh, I want to let Miss Marie, she told me before church she wanted to testify and say a word about what God has done for her, the healing God's given her. And God, listen, the Lord's healing some folks around here at Abundant Life Church. Amen. Go ahead, Sister Marie. Well, well, here a while back we had that visiting minister, and I was prayed for for cancer on my hand. I went to the doctor, and he said it wasn't cancer. I said it is, because I have I'm very bad to have cancer. I I only have one kidney. They took out one kidney with cancer, but anyway, he prayed for that, and I knew I was healed. But Satan, you know, you know. He wears up his head. Just as sure as the Lord does something, Satan wears up his head. Well, when I got next morning, that place was all swollen up. I said, Satan, get behind me. You are not going to tell me that I'm not healed. Well, I am bad about pleading the blood. So I said, Lord, I'll plead one drop of blood over that hand. Well, it got, it was sore, and it was sore, and it was sore, and I kept saying, no, 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 no. It's all gone now. Yeah. My hand is, it's still, don't, of course, it don't look good, but I'm 100 years old, so I don't guess it makes it, <laughs> I don't guess it makes any difference. But anyway, God is good. Yes, he is. He's good all the time, isn't he? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Miss Marie. Praise the Lord. All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, um, go with me to the book of Revelation. Now, Wednesday night, beginning Wednesday night, we have, we're doing a, <clears throat> our Bible studies on Wednesday night. We have went through the book of Proverbs. In the last uh, year, it took us to go through the book of Proverbs, and we did a study, had a great study on that. But we're going to begin a study in 
Revelation this coming Wednesday night, okay? So we encourage you to be here. Now, I'm just getting the jump start. This is not a part of our Revelation study, although we will be beginning in Revelation chapter 1 Wednesday night. But I do have a word, a message I want to preach from Revelation chapter 1 as I was reading this. Oh, I guess a week or so ago, week before last, as I read through this first chapter, the Lord just impressed these verses upon my heart. And so um, I want to I preach a little bit this morning from them. We're going to take the Lord's Supper here in a little bit. But in Revelation chapter number 1, Revelation chapter number 1, and I'm going to uh, read from verse 5 and 6, verse 5 and 6, okay? Are you there this morning? Revelation chapter 1, verse number 5 and, and verse number 6, and John is writing here to the seven churches in Asia Minor, and here's what he says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of, the, of some important facts. Important facts. I guess you could say some amazing facts about Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for this service thus far, for the moving and the working of your spirit in each and every individual life today, for what you have done for us, what you have done and what you're going to do in the remainder of this service. I'm asking you for your anointing this morning that you help me to minister your word. Let me speak what the Holy Spirit would have me to say. And Lord, that it would be filled with love and compassion and grace, that my words would be with grace today and with the anointing of your Spirit. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. In this book of Revelation, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we will we'll get into this on Wednesday night in greater detail. But the book of Revelation is, of course, a revelation that was given unto the Apostle John by the Lord Jesus Christ. It tells us in that very first verse that the, Rev, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So many people have tried to make Revelation be about the Antichrist and the revelation of who's the Antichrist and all of that, but it's actually a revealing and a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do want to say this, that the Antichrist is not the hero of the book of Revelation. Jesus Christ is the hero of the book of Revelation and of the entirety of the Bible. Amen? Praise the Lord. But John's writing this letter, and actually, Revelation is a letter. It's a letter written to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And as he introduces this letter and begins this letter, he introduces Jesus Christ with three very impressive titles. 
He's telling us here who Jesus is. He says that Jesus is the faithful witness, that he's the first begotten of the dead, and that he's the prince of the kings of the earth. That shouting ground right there. He's telling us who Jesus is. He says that Jesus is the faithful witness. And I found out in my life that this is true. Jesus is faithful. How many knows you can depend upon Jesus? He'll never let you down. He is the one person that we can depend on because Jesus is the very truth of God. What Jesus has said can be trusted because he is always faithful. He is the faithful witness, but not only is he the faithful witness, it says, John says, that he's also the first begotten of the dead. That first begotten, the word is there actually is the firstborn from the dead. In which it means firstborn or first begotten means that he's first in rank. It means that he is supreme or that he is preeminent. And what John is saying here about Jesus being the first begotten from the dead or of the dead is that Jesus was the very first one to be resurrected and raised from the dead never to die again. There's others that we read about in the Old Testament that had been a few that were raised from the dead in the Old Testament, but they were raised only temporarily. They had to die again. It was a resurrection only to extend their life, but they had to die again. There's some in the New Testament. We have some records of those who were resurrected in the New Testament, raised from the dead, but they were had to go through death and die again. But Jesus was the very first one. He's the firstborn from among the dead. He is the first fruits of our resurrection. He's the first one to be resurrected to receive a resurrection body, which is an immortal body. His resurrection is the supreme and the preeminent resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose in a resurrected, immortal, glorified body. Hallelujah. And I want you to know that he's still in that resurrected, immortal, glorified body seated at the right hand of God Almighty in heaven. You know, most major religions of the world have some kind of a leader that they adore, but the problem is that their leaders are all dead. But Christianity is the only if you want to call it a religion, I don't like to really refer to Christianity as a religion, but if you want to refer to it as a religion, Christianity alone declares its faith in a living, resurrected Savior. We have the one that has formed this movement. Christianity is alive. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Buddha's dead. Mohammed's dead. All the other uh, the other 
leaders of other religions are all dead, but Jesus Christ tonight, today is alive. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Let me tell you something today. Let me give you an amazing fact about the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is that he lives today. If Christ had not risen, do you understand how important the resurrection is? The resurrection, the cross and the resurrection, and I've said this before, cannot be separated. They all, they both go together. Jesus died on the cross, paid the price for our sin, but praise God, he didn't stay dead. Can somebody say amen? He rose from the dead, and if he had not risen, if he had not raised from the dead, he would have broken his promises, his prophecies would have failed, we would still be in our sins, our preaching would be in vain, but thank God he didn't stay dead. He's alive today. He's the firstborn from among the dead, the first fruits of our resurrection. And can I tell you something today, Abundant Life Family Church, that because of the fact that Jesus came out of that grave, hallelujah, on that first resurrection Sunday morning, because of his resurrection from the dead, he guarantees our resurrection because he arose every believer whose faith is in Jesus Christ shall arise and we'll all have a glorified body just like the one that Jesus has today. Amen. John said this. John said, listen, he said, we know that when we shall see him that we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. He is the firstborn from among the dead and I'm here to proclaim today that I serve a risen Savior. He's in my heart and life today. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Amen. Every Sunday's Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday. You know, we celebrate Easter and the resurrection once a year. But can I tell you that every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday because it was on that first day of the week. That's why the early church gathered and assembled on the first day of the week because it was on that first day of the week that Jesus Christ arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave, never to die again. He said, I am he that was dead and behold I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and hell thank God for a risen alive victorious Savior at the right hand of Almighty God today Woo! he's not only the firstborn from among the dead but I, I, I've got to kind of hurry up here because I've got to get to really what I want to say not that this isn't important, it is. But he's the prince. John said he's, that Jesus is the prince of the kings of the earth. Talking about Jesus, who he is. He's the prince of the kings of the earth. He's been exalted in his resurrection and his ascension and his exaltation, he has been exalted to the right hand of God, the Father, to the place of power, to the place of authority over all principality, over all power, over all authority, over all dominion. And I want to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, that all power 
and authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on the earth. He is the sovereign ruler today at the right hand of Almighty God. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He is the prince of all the kings of the earth. Hallelujah. You know, the world we live in today, I think it's very obvious that the world is in a chaotic state. And the powers of darkness, when you look at the conditions of the world, the powers of darkness appear to be winning. And the problems today that we face in America and in the world seem to be too enormous, too large, too great to be solved. But I'm here to declare to you this morning that I know one, I know one today who is able to handle all the problems of this earth and I'm here to declare to you that he will do that. He is the prince of the kings of all the earth. Are you listening to me? There may be kings and there may be rulers and there may be presidents and there may be senators and there may be congressmen that think they're in control today but can I tell you the one who is the king of all kings, the one who is the Lord of all lords, the one who is the Alpha and the Omega and the beginning and the end, the, the, the prince of all the kings of the world, the one who has his hand on the throttle today and his name is Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Go ahead and give him praise today. Amen. Oh, the fulfillment of his role as ruler and of, of all the kings of the earth is yet to be completely realized in the future. But there will be a day, and there is coming a day, one day, that he will direct all the affairs and the destiny of the nations of all the earth. He will be installed over all rule and over all authority. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Antichrist will be allowed after the rapture of the church and during the great tribulation period. He will be allowed to have a short reign and a short rule and it will appear as if he is going to conquer and he's going to be the victor. But I'm going to tell you today his reign, the Antichrist's reign, will be very short-lived. But there's one that's coming today that's going to rule over all the earth, over all principality, over all power and all over all authority and people today say well Pastor Rick when is Jesus coming why doesn't he show up why doesn't he come and straighten out the mess that we're all in well I'm going to say this hallelujah don't worry don't fret I believe that he's going to come in due time and I believe from the evidence that we see all around us that his coming is going to be very soon hallelujah he isn't coming back ladies and gentlemen and he does come back he isn't coming back to take sides. He isn't come ba coming back to take up for the Democrats or the, for the Republicans or for the independents. He's not coming back to take sides when Jesus comes back. He's coming back to take control. He's coming back to take over. He's coming back to take the reins. He's coming back to rule and reign on this earth. Hallelujah. As the king of kings and rule this planet with a rod of iron. I'm here to tell you Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. He is the prince of all the kings of all the earth and he rules and reigns supreme today at the right hand of almighty God. 
I hope the devil's listening to that. Amen. It's time for Christians to lift up our heads. Amen. Because Jesus is coming back to right all the wrongs and fix all the problems of this present world. Hallelujah. The government will rest upon his shoulders and to his rule and to his reign. His rule will have no, his kingdom will have no end. And it's time for us as Christians. I think somebody said it might have been Brother Andy a while ago. It's time to lift up our heads. It's not time to be sorrowful and sad. I know there's a lot of bad stuff going on, but I'm telling you our redemption's drawing nigh ladies and gentlemen the Bible says lift up your head O ye gates and be lifted up you everlasting doors for the king of glory shall come in who is this king of glory the Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle and I'm telling you today I'm not looking for an antichrist I am looking for Jesus Christ I am looking for the prince of the kings of the earth and he he is coming back again, and he's coming very, very soon. Can I get an amen? So John's talking about all that Jesus is and telling us what who he is. And then John bursts into praise not only for who he is. And this is enough to praise him for today, right? This is enough to praise him for, for who Jesus is. He is Lord of all. He is Lord. Amen? And it's good to praise him for who he is. But John bursts into some praise now concerning what Jesus has done for us. And ladies and gentlemen, this is some important stuff right here because John says in verse 5 and 6, unto him, here's what he's done for us, unto him that, it, that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God. God and his Father. John is saying there in those verses that basically that Jesus has redeemed us. Here's something that we need to be rejoicing about today. The very fact that Jesus Christ has redeemed us. Three things that John says that Jesus has done for us. He said that he loved us, that he's washed us, and that he's made us something. Oh, Oh, I'm glad to know he's made something out of us. Come on, somebody. Amen. He said that unto him that that has loved us, that he loved us. Love is something that we need to understand about the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for us. When we read that verse where it said that he loved us, we kindly think the way that it reads in the English there, in the King James, that yes, at one time, at one point in time, he loved us in the past. But when you read and get the idea of the word love, the word love there is a present tense verb in the Greek, and it means that the Lord Jesus Christ always loves us. Are you listening to me? He loves us, and here's what that present tense in the Greek means, that he loves us, and he keeps on loving us 
loving us. He loved us in the past, and he loves us in the present, and he will love us tomorrow. He will love us in the future. Jesus' love for us is in as full a force now as it was when he was delivered up on the cross for us. Why did Jesus go to Calvary? Why did he go to the cross and subject himself to the, the shame and the suffering that we've sang about that Brother Andy mentioned this morning? What he went through and experienced on Calvary. He did that for you and for me because he loved us. If he did not love us, he would have just let us go. God would have just wiped us out. But God so loved, are you hearing me? He so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, praise God. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. The reason for that cross, ladies and gentlemen, the reason for the whipping and the reason for the beating and the reason for the nailing of the Son of God to that cross was because he loved us. He hung there between heaven and earth for six long hours. The God turned out the lights and it became black as night for three hours while he hung there and bore the sin penalty of mankind. But he did it because he loved us. He loves me today. He loves you today. He will always love you. He will never, 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 never stop loving you. He loves us. Hallelujah. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Amen. He loved me when I was a lost sinner. When I get to thinking about how my life was and how he loved me and God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When I was on my way to a devil's hell, when I was his enemy and I blasphemed his name, when I was living in all kinds of sin and ungodliness, Jesus loved me. When I was a child of the devil, bound by the powers of darkness. I said he loved me and he loved you and he loved us enough to go to Calvary and die for us. He loved me enough, praise God, that he didn't leave me. I'm so thankful today and I thank him every day of my life that God loved me so much that he did not leave me like I was, but he reached down his hand for me when I was lost, when I was undone without God or his son. He reached down his hand and picked me up out of that miry clay and washed me off and set my feet on the solid rock and established my goings and put a song of praise on my lips because he loved me. That's why he did that. And he still loves you. I don't know about anybody else, but there's sometimes yet I'm a little unlovable. Don't say amen, Vicky. <laughs> and we all are amen to that. But you know what? Even when we're unlovable, he loves us. Oh, hallelujah. The breadth and the length and the depth and the height and the love to know 
the love of Christ. Who can measure the love of Christ? Who can comprehend the love of Christ? For us, it encompasses us like a shoreless, bottomless sea. It's beyond our knowledge and thought. The love of Christ for the redeemed is a permanent and abiding fact. He loves us. I read a story a number of years ago about an African missionary over there was going through some of the, the prairies, the plains there in Africa where a, where a wildfire and a brush fire had went through that plain. And it had swept through leaving total destruction. And as the missionary was walking along where everything was burned and charred, he saw the remains of a bird, a nest with a bird laying on it, and the charred remains of that bird laying on its nest. And the missionary reached down with his foot, took his foot, and just kicked the bird over, the dead bird over. And when he did, out from under that bird was, was some living chicks, some living birds, the brood of that, of that mama bird who had covered, are you hearing me, who had covered her, her chicks and sacrificed herself, amen, to the judgment, to the flames of that judgment, that fire that came, so that her chicks, her, her babies, her children, her little ones could live. Do you know that that is exactly what Jesus did for us? That, that love, that Calvary's love, that, that, that love that many waters cannot quench, that love love that will not let us go that love that endures forever that's the kind of love that he loves you and I with and Paul said that he loved me and gave himself for me don't listen to the lies of the enemy that says that Jesus doesn't care about you and I know the devil tells that to us many times well the Lord doesn't love you he doesn't care about you I'm here to tell you today that he loved us he does love us he always will love us thank God for the love of Jesus that is an amazing thing today that Jesus loves us can I get an amen oh that's good news ladies and gentlemen but not only that not only did he love us but John goes on to say that he washed us from our sins in his own blood See, ladies and gentlemen, this is the joyful sound. This is the joyful sound of the saints of God that He has washed us. You know, it's, it's good that He loved us, but He also did something to show how much He loved us. And that is He has washed us and He has cleansed us. And I, I was studying this, and when I read that word washed, and you read the word washed, we know what washed means. As we used to say it down when I was a kid down in South Cape, washed us. He's washed us, amen, from our sins. But whether he's washed us or washed us, hallelujah, he's made us clean. Can I get an amen? But I got to reading that. We, we, we know what it means to wash something, to cleanse something. But the Greek word that is used there for washed has a meaning more than just a cleansing but it's the Greek word that literally means to be loosed or to be set free or to be released from sin. 
You need to get a hold of that today. Let me say that again. The word that is used for washed in that verse, that he has washed us from our sins, is the Greek word that means to be loosed, to be set free, and to be released from sin. The ESV version says it this way. He has freed us from our sins. The New American Standard says that he has released us from our sin. See, that's the thing about the blood of Jesus. It makes the vilest sinner clean. But not only does it cleanse us, but the blood of Jesus also releases us. His blood has freed us. His blood has loosed us from our sins. In the word washed, we see, when we use that word, washed, we see a metaphor of sin as a stain. How many knows that sin is a stain? That the blood of Jesus can cleanse and wash away but when we use the word loosed we see a metaphor there of sin as a chain and how many knows that sin is not only a stain but sin is a chain sin is a bondage sin holds people in captivity that's why you can send somebody to rehabilitation they can go through all kinds of rehab and they'll come out of that rehab and go right back to the same sin that they were in before you know why? Because they're still bound. There's still a chain. There's a bondage there. Sin is a chain. And there's something about sin. You not only have it cleansed away. The blood of Jesus cleanses away the stain of sin. But let me tell you something else. The blood of Jesus breaks the chain of sin. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. I said the blood of Jesus cleanses the stain of sin. And thank God. But the blood of Jesus also breaks the chain of sin when Jesus died on that cross he didn't die just so you could be forgiven of your sins and thank God we are forgiven he died and shed his blood that we could be cleansed from our sin and be made pure and clean and white and I'm thank God that he did but when he died on that cross and shed his blood he also paid the price that you and I can be loosed from the bondage and the chain and the dominion and the power and the stronghold of sin that sin can't hold us I said sin can't hold us any longer there's power in the blood to loose from the stronghold and the chain and the bondage of sin the alcoholic can go through a 12 step program and still go back to that same lifestyle and many do Unfortunately, the drug addict can go through rehabilitation, think they're clean, but they go right back to the same addiction. But I'm here to tell you, that don't have to be. That don't have to be because the blood of Jesus breaks the chain of sin's bondage. Oh, hallelujah. Said that he has washed us. He has loosed us. He has freed us from the bondage of sin. 
the old hymn written by Charles Wesley said the old hymn over a thousand tongues has this verse and it says this and all listen the theology that was in those old hymns my lord they were biblically true amen and 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 Wesley said this in that old hymn he breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the prisoner free his blood can make the foulest clean his blood availed for me I'm glad today to be able to tell you this morning that by his blood his death for our sins on that cross that forgiveness and release and freedom was granted to every single one who will believe it and who will receive it as we partake of the communion this morning the the body and the blood the symbols that represent the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ we're we're receiving communion to put place our faith and to remember the benefits that Jesus has provided for us at the cross of Calvary amen we're remembering today the Lord Jesus Christ every time we take communion we're doing it in remembrance of him of what he did for us that his blood has saved us his blood has washed us and his blood has released us from the power of darkness and sin there is no power on this earth ladies and gentlemen that's greater than the power the wonder working power of the precious blood of my Lord Jesus Christ there's churches today that don't want to preach on the blood anymore there's preachers today that don't want to mention the blood and there's been those that have said well you know some of you guys are preaching a, a, a slaughterhouse religion nobody wants to hear about all that blood and all that gore but I'm here to tell you that Calvary was a bloody place I said Calvary was a bloody place and it was that blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for me to break every chain to break every bondage to break every yoke to break every stronghold thank God you don't have to be bound by sin you don't have to be bound by habits you don't have to be bound by an addiction today because Jesus Christ has washed us and set us free by the precious blood he shed on Calvary's cross and it's all about your believing that and exhibiting faith in that finished work of Christ freedom amen the blood was shed on the cross has freed us and I'm glad that my sins are gone amen his blood is perfect blood, it's pure blood, it's precious blood, it's powerful blood, it's protective blood. Say, thank God for the blood. But he's also made us kings and priests unto God. He loved us, he washed us, and he made us kings and priests what does he mean by that that you he's talking about you talking about you as a believer are a king and a priest unto God it means you don't you don't need a priest you are one what's well, getting quiet in here amen 
The Bible says we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. And literally, uh, this is a kingdom of priests. We are a kingdom of priests. But as a king, kings have authority. I don't have time to develop this or go into this this morning. But by kings, he's referring to a kingdom, a rule, that there's been some authority that's been given to believers that believers, and we know this from reading on in Revelation, that believers shall in the millennial kingdom and throughout eternity we will rule and reign with the Lord at Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what the Bible teaches. But as a king in the realm of the Spirit, he didn't say that someday we're going to be kings and priests of God, which we will be, but he hath made us, and that's past tense. That is something that's already been accomplished and done through the finished work of Christ. And as a king in the realm of the Spirit, in Christ Jesus, we've been given some authority. And we, as believers, are to enforce the will of God on the earth. You have been given authority. Devil, the devil doesn't want you to understand that or know that. But we've been given power and authority through the blood of Jesus, through the name of Jesus, to rule and reign in our lives now over the powers of darkness. The devil's not to have any authority over you. The devil's not to run roughshod over the church or the child of God. Hallelujah. Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority over all the authority or the power of the devil, and nothing shall by any means harm you. He said, You can tread. You will tread on serpents. You will tread upon scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. That is a king. You're ruling and reigning through Jesus Christ right now over the works of darkness. They are to have no dominion or control in your life. But not only are you a king unto God, but also a priest. How many knows what a priest does? Priests, the priest in the Old Testament had instant access. They were the only ones that had access into the Holy of Holies. We talked about that the other night. That only one time a year that Holy of Holies could be entered by that high priest who, who, who would go in there to offer the blood upon the, the, uh, the mercy seat for the sins of Israel. Nobody else could go in there and that high priest could only go on the day of atonement one time a year but oh thank God that through the blood of Jesus now we have been made a kingdom of priests and can I tell you the veil has been rent in twain at Calvary and now you and I as priests of the Lord can go into that holy place with boldness by the blood of Jesus and you can approach the presence of God you have open and free access into the presence of God at any time you don't no longer need no longer do you need a priest or a mediator or anyone to go for you into the presence of God oh hallelujah we are now free to come into that holy place into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus Christ and priests were worshipers I said priests were worshipers they offered up sacrifices and that's what we're doing today we're offering up as our priesthood the sacrifices of praise, the sacrifices of worship, the sacrifices of adoration unto our Lord.
You've been made priest unto God. Woo! Hallelujah. He's loved us. And he loves us. And he gave his blood and washed us from our sins. And he's made us kings and priests unto God. That's what the cross has done for us. But can I give you one more in closing and we'll get into communion? One more amazing thing about Jesus that John said. I didn't read this verse, but the next verse, verse 7 says, after he's talked about who he is, after he's talked about what he's done, then in verse 7 he says, And behold, he cometh with clouds. Oh, let me tell you something else that's amazing about Jesus. He's done some great, amazing things for us. But you know what? Because of what he's done, there's one more amazing thing that's getting ready to take place that Jesus is going to do for his people and for his church. How many knows what that is? Oh, we talk a lot about it around here. Somebody said, well, you talk an awful lot about that second coming here lately. You talk an awful lot about that rapture. But I'm here to tell you today that because of what he's done for us at the cross of Calvary he said this he said in John 14 he said I am going to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again I shall come again and I will receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also that's the first reference in the in the New Testament to the rapture of the church and Jesus said I'm going to prepare a place for you and right now he's preparing us for that place. I said right now he's preparing us for that place. The bride is making herself ready and I'm saying it again the bride's going to have to be clean and the bride's going to have to be pure and the bride's going to have to be spotless and the bride's going to have to be without a wrinkle and the bride's going to have to be pure. Hallelujah! That wedding garment's going to have to be on and that wedding garment is pure and white and it's the pure white righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time that the church get ready. My God he's done so much for us but there's coming something getting ready to happen that's got like we've never experienced before. Our resurrected Lord, the one that's washed us the one that's made us, the one that saved us is coming back again to get us. I said he's coming back again to get us hallelujah we're getting ready to leave this old sin cursed world Somebody ought to praise the Lord. We know. You know what? Brother Scott talked about this the other night we were talking about some guys that he witnessed to in a business in Farmington. And they asked him, what do you think's getting ready to happen? What's, what's going to happen? And he told them, Jesus is what's getting ready to happen. Jesus is getting ready to come back 
for his church. Amen. And he mentioned them. He said, I don't know if you all know about that or believe in that. And you know, they were younger guys, but they both nodded. They go, oh, yeah, we know. We know what you're talking about. Let me tell you something. The world knows. The world knows something's getting ready to happen. Sinners know something's getting ready to happen. Everybody seems to know what's, something's getting ready to happen except most of the church. They're living like there's nothing getting ready to happen. And I'm telling you, we better wake up. We better wake up and smell the roses today because we're getting ready to hear the trump of Almighty God sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise and we which are alive are going to be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. And every time we take of this Lord's Supper, he said, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. This should be a reminder today when we drink this cup and eat this wafer. It should be a reminder unto us, Jesus, you're coming. Will this be the day? Oh, you're coming back. You're coming back. He's coming to get us. Woo! Give the Lord a praise. Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to make your way back, but hang on, I'm closing while they're coming. And our worship team can come, and our ushers are going to come and pass out the communion. But listen to me, I read this this week, and I did not know this. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of things I don't know. There's, a, there's some of you that may know this, but I didn't know it till this week. But the largest font type that is used in newspapers. Hang on just a minute, guys, until I'm finished, okay? Hang on just a minute. The largest font that's used in newspaper headlines, such as how many remember the picture of... uh, the newspaper, Dewey Dewey Defeats Truman, how large the font was. Do you know what they call that font? They call that second coming font. Huh? Well, I read that this week, and I thought, is that true? So I, done like everybody else, I Googled it. What is second coming font? And sure enough, it's what newspapers call the largest font that they have. It's a dramatic, heavy black letters that are reserved for only the most amazing front page news stories. That type's been used to announce the beginning and the ending of wars. It's announced moon landings, presidential election winners, natural disasters, and other events. But one day... One day soon, mankind and this earth is going to witness the great event for which this second coming type was named, and that is for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a day that will be. I believe the next time, it may be used before this, but I believe this is how close we are, that they're going to pull out that second coming typeface, and it's going to be on every newspaper in bold black letters. Millions have vanished from the earth. Millions have disappeared. Could this be what the church has talked about? The coming of the Lord. There's going to be getting ready to happen. It's getting ready to happen. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Oh, 
of the clouds of glory for his people. Woo! Come on, shout to the Lord of praise. Amen. You may